You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Here's to the great American dog trainers out there. The hundreds of you who settled for the sometimes thankless job of working with four-legged companions because they pay the bills. Of course, there's something else you can do if you've got something to say. Start a podcast with First Paw Media and unleash your creative freedom. Maybe even earn enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm no puppy wrangler. I'm a rover. I'm a trail breaker. I'm an adventurer. Visit firstpaw.media. Wag on over today. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Robert and welcome to Mushing. I am excited to be joined today by Tanya Helm. She is calling in from Chugach, Alaska. She has been mushing for about nine years and I'm excited to talk to her and hear about her stories from the trail. Tanya, how's it going today? It's going great. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Could you do us a favor and tell us who you are and what you're all about, please? Yeah, my name's Tanya Helm. Um, I'm originally from Illinois. I moved to Alaska in 2013. Had no intention to get into mushing. I saw my first Iditarod in 2014. Uh, 2015, I was a handler for Iditarod Trail Committee and met Jim Lanier. Um, I got started with him. I thought I would just be helping at his kennel and he told me he needed someone to run his dogs. So that's how I got into it. And before I knew it, I had 16 dogs on the gang line running them on my own. So I was very unexpected. <laughs> Your arc, I guess it is, is very similar to a lot of mushers. In fact, uh, my move to Alaska was very similar to that. I came up to help uh, a friend of mine with I the Iditarod start. And before you know it, I bought our place here in Willow and here we are 12 or 13 years later with a whole bunch of dogs. And of course, all of those Crazy mushing dreams for sure. So I guess <laughs> let's step back a little bit. So you said you moved up from Illinois. What did you do there and what prompted that move to Alaska? Was it a job thing, a school thing, a dream? What? Well, my husband and I, um, we met, We I grew up in central Illinois in Peoria. Um, I moved to the Chicago area in uh, 1997 and I'm a respiratory therapist. So I worked up there for 16 years. Um, met my husband, and we just always liked to travel. We were avid um, rock climbers, hikers, just outdoor people, and Illinois just really didn't suit our lifestyle. Um, I have family up here, and one of my cousins, Tony, she was talking us into moving up here for some time. We thought, oh, it doesn't seem like it'd be that easy of a move, but uh, yeah, we came up here on vacation for the second time in 2013. I got a, I said, well, how about I apply it for a job? And my husband said, go for it. So got an interview, got the job, and a month later we were moving to Alaska. Yeah, it's it's truly the uh, the Beverly Hillbillies for a lot of folks. We pack up the U-Hauls, <laughs> and uh, before you know yep. it, uh, we're, we're heading up the the uh, the uh, Canadian Highway there, and and it, here we are with with all of our stuff. And there's usually no looking back. So, Tanya, currently you live in Chugiak, Alaska, and for folks that are listening around the world. 
Chugiak has some of the best trails in the world. I am on the board of the Chugiak Dog Mushers Association, and they take one heck of a good care of those trails out there. And I know you said you worked for Jim Lanier when you first got started. Can you tell us a little bit about those trails there in in Chugiak and just what separates those from a lot of other trails here in Alaska? Yeah, those trails were pretty awesome. Um, I would get lost a fair amount of time and I'd be like calling Jim and be like, well, I'm here. And he's like, well, what are you doing over there? You're going to be over in this area. And I'd be like, well, I'm trying to figure out my way around. So, um, you know, over time I got to learn them pretty well. There's a lot of hills and twists and turns and you go down on the inlet, which is just absolutely phenomenally beautiful. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of sad that some of the trails were lost um, in recent years, but, you know, I still love to go out there and get the, get on those trails. It's been a couple of years since I've been there last, but they're just, just absolutely stunningly beautiful trails. So Tanya, how long did you work for Jim and did you do any races with that kennel? Um, I was with him for two seasons. Uh, I did not do any races with him. I just, you know, learned the ropes and, um, you know, I had some experiences, you know, I had a couple crashes with the sled and was a little intimidated to say the least at first. So, um, you know, I helped him with the Iditarod and Gunnar Johnson with the Iditarod, um, the two years. And then otherwise then, uh, George McCann was actually running dogs with Jim that first season I was there. And that's how I got to know George and Cindy McCann and ended up at their kennel. So George and Cindy live up here in Willow, and again, very beautiful trails up here on both sides of the highway. We live on the east side, and they live on the west. So can you compare and contrast a little bit, Tanya, with the trails that you ran on Chugiak? Very well-groomed trails, very well-marked, you know, truly a sprint system compared to what we have here in Willow. What's the main difference? Um, yeah, I've ran over on your side on the like Hessler Norris side of the trails and those can get a little wild sometimes between, you know, every once in a while you hit some of that open water, the bumpiness, you know, the tussocks, definitely a different type of, of trail system over there. And the moose, I never ran into moose out in Willow. I mean, in Chugiak, but I did in Willow. And those trails that you're running on over on the west side, what are they like? They get a lot more traffic than we do here. Over here, yeah. there's, there's really like three or four of us that that are the only ones over here. Vern Halter and his guys and gals, Matt Failer and I is pretty much the only guys that are over here. But over there, those are pretty active in the in the winter, especially with snow machines and weekender traffic and all that, right? Yeah, and the snow machine traffic can, you know, it's it's a little scary sometimes. I've had some run-ins with snow machines where it's, you know, they've come at you kind of fast and it's blind corners and scares you a little bit. And then that gets the moose riled up and we've had our team charged the last two seasons by moose, which has been pretty scary too. Yeah, I can only imagine. I've had a few run-ins with moose myself, and and they are not the docile creatures that a lot of people think they are. They're pretty aggressive, especially as the winter goes on and food gets more scarce. So you've been working with Cindy and George for a few years now. What are your plans for the future? I I assume that you're going to be doing some racing and uh, that sort of thing. What's happening? 
Yeah, so I've done some races with them, um, you know, the Ace Race, the Goose Bay 150. Um, I've been in the Willow 300 a couple times, unfortunately had to scratch. The most recent time I was in it was, I believe, two seasons ago, and I had a stomach bug going through the team, so I had to scratch from that race because, you know, can't run with sick dogs, obviously. Uh, this season, we are signed up for the Ace Race. Um, Kelly Ridley and either Cindy or I will be running that race. Kelly has signed up for the Connick 100. I'm signed up for the Connick 200. And then the dogs will are going to be in the Quest 300 this season. So you had mentioned working with Jim and he had some other handlers and, uh, and mushers at his place. And now over at Cindy and George's, it sounds like there's a couple of people there. I think an interesting question to ask, Tanya, is how do you guys divvy up the dogs? I'm sure everybody wants to run the best, but it's not always that way, is it? No. So, you know, Cindy owns a majority of the dogs there. Um, Kelly Ridley has some of her own dogs there. And then Kelly and I co-own one of the dogs as well. And, you know, it's never an issue um, as far as divvying them up. We have about, oh, I think about 20, 21 dogs we're running right now. And we just divide them up, try to make them fairly even teams. As the season goes on, you know, some of the dogs aren't able to keep up as well. And we get down to a little bit um, smaller number of dogs we run. And we just, you know, try to make fairly even teams, load down our sleds. And yeah, it's never really an issue in that regard. So for folks that don't know, Chugiak to Willow is probably about a 45-ish mile drive each way. So you're not living at the kennel currently here in Willow. So you have to make that commute up and back. Tell us about a day in the life of of a musher in that scenario. (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, you know, oftentimes I'm up at, you know, four or five in the morning and getting all my stuff together that I don't keep at the yard and driving out there. It takes about an hour to get to the kennel itself. um, And that's on a good day. Um, of course, if the weather's bad, that adds more time. Get there, feed, do chores around the yard, check the dogs over, you know, and then either we can, if we're running by ATV, we leave from the yard. If not, we have to load the dogs up and go to trailheads. So if I'm not doing a series run, um, trying to maintain my marriage, well, you know, I drive home each night. If it's a series run, then of course I'm staying up there. And how many days a week do you do this? Obviously, this depends on, on as you said, uh, um longer runs and that sort of thing. But are you up here just on the weekends or on your days off or what? Yeah, it's the days off. Um, I try to get up there twice a week, if not more, um, closer to races and stuff. Of course, the time, more time spent up there right now, you know, the, over the weekend we did a series run. So it was, you know, I got there Saturday early left Sunday. So it just really depends on the week and what we've got planned. I promise this is the last question of comparing and contrasting between the two kennels, but can you do that for us? What is the main difference of running with uh, sort of a high caliber Iditarod kennel? Jim Lanier has been around since the 70s, so he's been doing this a long time. And Cindy and George are a little bit newer to the game. They've been involved for at least as long as I've known them since the, the mid 2000s or so. What's the main difference between the two? Yeah, so Jim's kennel, of course, you know, being Iditarod trained, you're going much longer distances. Um, It's much more intense training. His dogs have been bred, you know, for decades to handle these, you know, long distances. They're just really, really great and tough dogs. 
the McCann's kennel, uh, you know, they've started, they had a great breeding program going on there and the dogs have some really good bloodlines. We've got some tough dogs, but I have to say we do, in a sense, baby them more. Um, they're, they're tough. They, they love what they do, but we aren't training them for an Iditarod race at this point. Yeah, and that's a whole different animal right there, uh, proverbially and and uh, realistically, when you think about the two different training scenarios. And it, it's a big contrast to, to the different styles. And and depend on, depending on what you do, there there's obviously nothing wrong with either way. It's just sort of that focus of the kennel. And I think I say that, Tanya, because a lot of people that get into mushing think, oh my goodness, I want to run Iditarod. I want to be involved with this high caliber uh, lifestyle, if you will. But in in the long run, I would say most kennels are more like uh, the McCann's kennel than they are uh, Jim and his crew. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, I would say so. I mean, a lot of people, you know, the best advice I can say is if anybody's interested in getting a machine, don't go out and just buy a bunch of dogs. Get involved with a professional kennel or a mid-distance kennel so you can actually see what's involved. I think some people come up here with these big dreams and don't realize that a majority of the work done is dog care. It's not just about running and these glamorous races and stuff. It's, It's dog care. And those temperatures when they drop are pretty brutal. And people from the lower 48 often don't realize this. And we're going to talk about those glamorous races here in just a second with a quick story (laughs) that you had on one of the races uh, in the past. But before we do, obviously, we want to talk a little bit about the dogs. We want to showcase them as much as possible here on the podcast. So can you tell us a little bit about sort of the general history of the McCann dogs and then maybe tell a quick story about one of your favorites? Yeah, so um, some of the dogs, uh, there's a lot of Reddington lines um, with the dogs, and, um, you know, they've they've acquired dogs over time. Some of them they got from Matthew Failer. Um, they actually got Scary and um, Fang, who were parents of Matthew Failer's Halloween litter, and they have puppies from both of those dogs, and those are part of the main race team. And these dogs are just absolutely wonderful. They have just the best personalities you could ask for. They eat well, they are super friendly, and they love what they do. Absolutely love it. Scary and Fang, obviously very cool names. It's it's so cool to hear <laughs> all of the different names that people come up with. And of course, if you've been doing this for as long as you and I have, you know that uh, naming dogs is is a chore in of itself because at least in our in our way of doing things, we don't like to have the same names twice. I think that's a little bit of a jinx. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, and then you also got to be careful what you name them because they can live up to those names. Um, you know, one of the females at the litter or at the kennel, her name's Salt, and she's a salty little gal. Let me tell you, you know, she's a great little sled dog, but she can be salty with the other females. Yes, for sure. They definitely live up to their names. So let's talk a little bit about racing. You had mentioned, Tanya, that you're planning on running the uh, ACE race, which is going to happen in just a couple of weeks at the time of this recording. I'm sure they have plenty of snow up there already, uh, but you're also planning on racing in the Thick 200. So racing is going to come up pretty quickly for you uh, here yeah. in this early <laughs> season, but we want to tell a little bit of, of a story about this ACE race. And for folks that don't know, 
It is a race out and back from one of the lodges on the Denali Highway, one of the coolest spots to run dogs in Alaska, I think. I know my daughter ran her second junior Iditarod over there many years ago, so I'm very familiar with that. But you had an up-close and personal experience on that race a few years ago. Tell us that story. Yeah, my first race there, I think it was, um, I was bootying up the dogs and, you know, sometimes they get some poop up on their butts and down on their feet and I wasn't paying any attention and I, uh, you know, had some of my gloves rub my nose and before long I find out I have poop on my face and in my buff and it's time to go. So basically I was smelling and had dog poop on my face pretty much the whole race. So 60 miles of stink. I can only imagine <laughs> uh, what that was like. And for folks that are, are just casual fans of dog mushing, when something like that happens, especially if you find that out just leaving the chute or the starting line or whatever, those dogs are fired up and ready to go. It's not like you can just sort of pull over and check things out and change out that buff or do anything else like that. You're really rocking and rolling those first few miles and it takes a while for them to calm down for you you to be able to fix that. Is that right? Oh yeah. I mean, there's no stopping. You know, I I think that was the race where we couldn't set snow hooks the first few miles either. So, you know, you've got your headlamp on, it's dark out, you've got all your gear on, your hood up, and there's nothing you can really do about it. You just kind of have to deal with it. So obviously that is uh, one of the cooler races in Alaska. And of course, the Connect 200, uh, a, a, a historical race in of itself, one of the premier, uh, uh, I guess you would say, qualifying races here in, in South Central. Are there any other races you've done in the past? And if not, what is your favorite of all of them? Well, I did the Goose Bay 150 um, a few years back. I really enjoyed that race. It was brutally cold when we uh, left Talvisa Lodge. I think it was down to negative 40, um, you know, once we got down off that hill. And um, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of work because I had to put one of the main leaders, which was a little bit older dog. And I wasn't sure if she was cut out for it put her in the sled bag and um, the trails were a little bit tore up from the iron dog start. So I was uh, helping that team out kicking and running and everything else for the about 30 miles of that race. Cause I had one of the biggest dogs in my sled bag. Yeah. I love the goose Bay 150. I think that's probably one of my favorite shorter distance races. It is a, I did a rod qualifier. I've done that race uh, two or three times now And it's typically in February or March, depending on the year. And what a beautiful run up to Tal Vista and back. I I remember one of my fondest memories is seeing the northern lights there in the middle of the night on the way back. It's something I will never forget. Yeah, that would be very cool. Yeah, it's, it's really, really pretty. I really enjoyed that race a lot. So what are the, what's the plans for you and, and your racing career? Obviously, uh, you're doing these qualifiers, so there must be something brewing. Are you thinking about Iditarod in the future? Um, I don't know. I know that Kelly Ridley, one of my teammates, that's kind of an, um, you know, set in her future a little bit. She's thinking about that. And, you know, if we can get her there, that would be just a wonderful experience in itself. Um. I'd enjoy helping out my teammates just as much as I enjoy running. So I don't feel that 
I necessarily have to get there. I enjoy just doing the mid-distance stuff and, you know, helping out my teammates at the, in the races they want to do. And I know that you and I have a mutual friend with Matt Paviglio, and I know <laughs> he ran Iditarod and for Rondi, and he also does some work there with the McCanns. I know his daughter worked with, with those guys in the past. Did he run his, his Iditarod with that kennel, or was that somebody else? Do you know? No, he didn't run with um, the McCann's kennel, but he did train with us the season before his Iditarod and then last season. And it's funny, I actually introduced um, Matt into the sport. He was one of the first friends I made when I moved to Alaska. We worked together at the hospital, and uh, he kept at me about wanting to get into mushing. And I told him, I'm like, go find your own musher. Well, eventually he got in with Jim. You know, I had him helping me with some puppies, and his career really took off with it. Yeah, I know Matt pretty well from the Chugiak Club, and and all I can say, he he is one heck of a character. He is a true ambassador for the sport, isn't he? Yeah, and I call him my awful little brother from another mother. <laughs> <laughs> very cool, very cool. So, uh, Tanya, you had mentioned what you're planning on doing this season. Is there anything that we missed out on before we go? Yeah, so... Um, you know, I think the sport is about getting out and having fun with the dogs and, you know, keeping a well-rounded dog. Um, you got to have that playtime with them as well as the work time. And I actually have one of the main lead dogs at home with me right now. Um, I bring some of the dogs home so they can just have a little R&R in the house and get a little pamper. And uh, yeah, you got to love dogs and you got to love the cold to get into the sport. Tanya, before we go, earlier in the podcast, you had mentioned that you want to make sure that you keep your marriage together with your husband. Tell us a little bit about that. Obviously, he's not involved with the sport like you are. How do you keep the household sane a little bit uh, when one of you has these crazy passions and the other doesn't? Well, my husband's into car racing. Um, He does autocross, and in the winter, he does the ice racing up in Big Lake. You know, we've always had stuff that we've enjoyed to do together as well as separate. But the wintertime, yeah, it can get a little tough. Um, He, you know, likes it when I come home, if I just kind of shut down from the mushing stuff for a little bit, sometimes I can get wrapped up and be calling or texting Cindy and Kelly and talking about stuff from the day. And, you know, you have to have that communication. But then it's like, yeah, I've got to set aside that time and make sure I give some attention to my husband, too. Yeah, you got to keep everybody happy. Uh, the ice racing sounds really interesting. I, I wish I had a chance to talk to him about that as well. Tanya, how can folks follow you and get in contact with you if they have questions about this episode or just want to give you a shout out? Where can they do that? Yeah, um, we have a Facebook page called Lost Creek Mushing. Um, and Cindy Kelly and I uh, run that page. And also, um, on Facebook, my name is Tanya Sanders Helm on Facebook, so um, people can contact me that way as well. And we'll definitely put those links over in the show notes. It has been a pleasure talking with you, Tanya. I greatly appreciate it, and good luck in the upcoming season, and hopefully no more dog poop on this ace race coming up. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. On behalf of my guest today, this is Robert for Mushing. We'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Do you eat enough fruits and vegetables? Green Infusion by Wilderness Athlete can help. So what is Green Infusion? It's a blend of super greens, super fruits, vegetable extracts, herbs, and probiotics. 
and delivers a broad spectrum of nutrients that provides a gentle alkalinizing and cleansing effect to the body while reinforcing proper digestive function and restoring healthful intestinal microflora. Just one scoop a day of green infusion is six servings of fruits and vegetables. Learn more at wildernessathlete.com and use DogWorks for 10% off your order today. That is wildernessathlete.com and use DogWorks at checkout. Here's to the adventure-seeking dog mushers out there. The hundreds of you who stand on the runners dreaming and thinking about the Northern Lights. Of course, there is something else you can do if you've got something to say. Start a podcast with First Paw Media and harness your creative side. Maybe even earn enough money. Enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm not just a dog musher. I'm a rover. I'm a wanderer. I'm a voyager. I'm an explorer. Visit firstpaw.media. Mush on over today. From First Paw Media, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You will find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe too. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for First Paw Media.